Welcome to Your Birth Partners, where our mission is to cultivate inclusive, collaborative birth care communities rooted in autonomy, respect, and equity. I'm your host, Maggie Runyon, labor and birth nurse, educator, and advocate. And I invite you to join us in conversation as we step out of our silos, break down barriers and hierarchies, and step into the future of better birth care. Welcome back to the podcast. As we continue our series around holding space, we are digging into what it looks like to hold space from the perspective of a doula. So, you know, I think this is one of those things that there has been so much talk about what it means to hold space and scope of practice, quote unquote. And, you know, all these things, all these kind of rules that we try to put in place around what it means to show up as a birth worker and to support your client. And, you know, I think within that, sometimes we lose sight about what does it mean to to advocate as you hold space? How is holding space really an active, not, you know, a passive thing? And where are the where are the rubs? Where are the where are the parts where that doesn't fit into the birth care system narrative that, you know, has been created? So to really explore and dive into all this. I have Tracy Weaver coming on, who is a doula childbirth educator with more than two decades of experience supporting birthing people. And we'll be diving into all the nuance around these relationships, what collaborative care looks like, or at least what we dream it could look like in the future, understanding the at times complex relationships between you know, nurses and other hospital staff and doulas and working on our own stuff so that we can have collaborative care relationships that best support the birthing person and their needs. So I am excited to bring you onto the show. Uh, Well, welcome to the podcast, Tracy. I am just so glad you are here and we're going to get to dive a little bit more deeply into doulas and their roles as part of the overall birth team and just dive into some of the nuance beyond that relationship and how it comes across. So if you'll just tell our audience a little bit about yourself and what brought you to this work. Oh, wow. So that's a my makes my brain explode every time somebody asks me about that. So I'll, I'll keep it, I'll try to keep it new. <laughs> and thank you for this opportunity, Maggie. I, I, I appreciate you and I appreciate Absolutely. what you're doing here. So I am a doula. I'm a childbirth educator. I'm, I'm really just an all around consumer advocate in birth and, you know, just really diving into what it means for me And what my responsibility is in the birth room and even in prenatal sometimes as far as being an advocate, I'm a evidence-based birth instructor and a spending baby parent educator. So I just uh, all around, you know, birthy type person. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of hats and I think you wear them all very well. Yeah. Well, yeah. So thanks for coming on here. I will start off this whole season. We're talking about holding space and what that means. So we were just asking all of our guests first question. What does it mean to you to hold space? So for me to hold space means to listen and dive deeply and intimately into my clients' lives. I warn them pretty quickly uh, that I can't do my job well unless I know them well. Mm -hmm. Um, But that means to listen. And that means to separate myself from what they need. That means, you know, bias checks and making sure that you know, emotionally and physically, I'm a hundred percent in order to do that. So holding space for me just means that I am a hundred percent. So I can be a hundred percent for them and their need and whatever that need is, which is going to be super individual, you know, yeah. different per yeah. client. I just want to pick up a thread from that. 
you just touched on, you know, how that means you need to like be aware of where you're at. Can you speak a little bit to like how that has perhaps evolved in your practice or if that was always really present? Yeah. I mean, I I think it's always been present for sure. Physically, for sure. Because I have never, I I have never, I'm not going to say never. I, that was not a priority. Like the Mm. physical well-being was not necessarily a priority in my life. So so stamina and all of that was uh, kind of, I, I was hitting the face pretty quickly with that. And then just the mental part and emotional part of mm. not taking in account what I was, um, what I was getting ready to do because, you know, I started out uh, postpartum and then postpartum care. And then I was a midwife assistant for mm-hmm. six years. So you know, I was in my comfort zone until I started doing hospital births. And Mm -hmm. wow, that was such a switch physically and emotionally. Um, So, you know, mentally, it, it uh, hit me pretty hard. Uh, So, you know, just taking responsibility and stepping back and saying, okay, what does this mean? Getting really real with preparedness, you know, on on that side, and then mentoring. So coming, you know, kind of full circle with that, and and trying to pass down as much as I can because I'm, you know, we're not going to be around forever, so we mm-hmm. should pass the stuff down we know. It was evident that other people were kind of doing the same thing, but it was, you know, surprising to me that it was not being taught a lot in like trainings and. Um, you know, a lot of organizations were not touching on the hard parts of, of this. They mm-hmm. were just saying, Hey, let's just go and do position changes and, you know, not tell somebody that they might be up for 36 hours or so. So oh, yeah, you know, that, that was, um, yeah, that was a rude awakening that I'm trying to, to help other, you know, newer doulas be aware of even before they commit to work, mm-hmm. um, is, just identifying what you really need to do for yourself before you can be present for your clients. Yeah, that's beautiful. Absolutely. I, you know, one of the things, and you think you probably started touching it there, where do you see gaps in the way the typical birth care system kind of acknowledges the role and, and power of doulas as members of the birth team? So a gap <laughs> that I, well, I, I see many, but, you know, I, a gap that I really see as far as all of us on the birth team. So you have, you know, you have your doula that was, you know, that was hired or chosen or picked or, or appointed. And then you have, you know, your nurses or, or those who manage um, most of the labors. And then you have your providers that, you know, that you're collaborating with on the medical side. And then there's other kind of obscure people around too. But I think the gap is not understanding each other's profession so that we can work well together. And, you know, back when I first like really started paying attention to, you know, advocacy and what my role responsibly was to my client to figure out communication and and getting the team to jive a little bit better, I started like doulaing everyone. And I thought to myself, I don't, I don't know a nurse's job. I don't know the ins and outs of the pressures and the, the logistics and, you know, and, and all of these, and all of these things. So, you know, going back to, you know, taking my own, you know, personal responsibility, um, getting to know those professions helped me be a better doula. 
But what I'm not seeing is, well, and I think it's on both sides, you know, nurses and providers don't necessarily, and I'm not saying all, but I would say for the majority are not, you know, they're just coming in with a perspective of, oh, they're a doula. And then they come with their own assumptions and biases or whatever, just because of rumors, or maybe they didn't Mm -hmm. work, work well with someone. So there's a wall that's, that's built. So the gap is assumptions, biases on both sides, on both sides that, you know, because you have doulas over here that really believe that providers and hospitals and, 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 and nurses should automatically do these things, but they're not taking in consideration the, the mental, the physical and the training part of who they are in, in a broken system. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and then the other side, you know, providers and nurses and and all of those staff people are not taking in consideration that the birthing person has this extra support person or advocacy person that they should be paying attention to or learning their role so that they can collaborate with or work well with for, you know, just focusing on the birthing person. So mm-hmm. that's the, this, just, just the relationship gaps or the conversation gaps that I see just because of everybody being frustrated and everybody thinking that the other person just needs to do, you know, do right, whatever quote yeah. unquote that means. Mm. Yeah. I relate with that so much. I think, I mean, that in a nutshell is why your birth partner started why this podcast exists is from as a nurse, having those conversations with people and realizing that absolutely there are outliers, but most of us, we want, (laughs) we, we want the birthing person to be happy. We want the birth to go well. We want all of these things. Our ways going about that can be very, very different. And our approach to that can be very different, but we often, I think, you know, we end up just so siloed that just like you're saying, people on, on (laughs) any role within it, get kind of stuck in their little rut and their assumptions and their biases. And it's hard to bust out of that. And that, a lot of that depends on like the culture that you run in, whether it's, you know, the hospital unit you work on, or it's the kind of the, <laughs> the group of community birth workers that you found. Some of those make it very difficult to kind of like reach across the proverbial aisle and make relationships and create that. It can become very antagonistic, which helps literally no one. Yeah. And so I, that is a huge like passion of mine is seeing like ways that we can improve that and have better dialogues across yeah. the disciplines so we understand each other better and are able to like see the reality piece of it and yes. get rid of some of those like the preconceived notions, the kind of like comical almost caricatures that we create in our heads about what each of these roles do. So whew, it's a big one. I, you know, off of that, what do you think is you know, maybe I feel like there's a lot of nuance around what scope of practice means for doulas. So could you maybe speak a little bit? And I know, you know, our, our audience spans birth workers across all these disciplines. Can you speak maybe a little bit into like kind of what are some of the things that you've seen happen when people talk about scope and where it should be and what doulas should be doing? Oh man, you, you just opened the floodgates. So <laughs> scope. Wow. So, you know, foundationally, I, I think we need to go, you know, to the term and how it's being used and how it's being abused. Mm. Oh, you know, the, the term scope is for licensed people, people who have licenses, you know, nurses have licenses. This is your scope. Don't go out of it. And doctors too, you know, lawyers too. So everybody that has a license has a scope. So the confusion is, is the doulas do not have scope. And, you know, because we are not licensed, we are not regulated. 
So in in this conversation, and, and it's you know it's because the only scope, if you will, that we have is you know we don't do anything clinical. You know mm-hmm. we don't we know all of these things, but we don't do anything clinical. We don't medically diagnose those kind of things. So the abusive part that I see of the terminology of scope is when you know, when somebody wants to say that a doula is doing something wrong, they say, you know, stay in your scope, which, you know, what does that even mean in the grand scheme of things? So when, you know, when, when somebody doesn't understand a doula's job and they get frustrated with the doula, then they're going to throw out the the scope terminology. Mm -hmm. It's just this oppressive narcissistic way of keeping the doulas in line Um, and gaslighting them into thinking that they're doing something wrong. So there is a ton of confusion around, wow, what can I do? What can't I do as a doula? But then you've got this power structure of providers that don't necessarily like doulas for all kinds of reasons. And then nurses that are like, I don't understand their job. So we're just going to kind of bully them, not even kind of sometimes bully them into thinking that they're doing something wrong. So, you know, that's where I see the whole line of of scope, this abusive terminology that, that even doula organizations and doulas have used, even in horizontal violence at times also. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not supposed to be doing these things. We're supposed to be doing these things. But all of it's a distraction, Maggie. I mean, all of this is just a distraction in in not taking personal responsibility for ourselves period, you know, because if we're trying to attack somebody else and what they're doing, then we're not taking responsibility for our own stuff. Yeah. I could go for days on this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's, it's so interesting too. Like I think we've talked as, as a nurse too, like scope practice, it's a, like you said, it's a legal term, you know, it's not even something that like we create as, as nurses or physicians or midwives or anyone who has a license, you know, and it's this whole, like, you know, what would a reasonable and prudent nurse, you know, you name it, do in this situation, which I think obviously like there's a huge range within that, but we try to make it very limited. We want to put like walls around this concept that is much bigger than that. Uh, And like you said, I think that's all, you know, we all have different personalities and different ways of existing in the world. But I think for people who thrive in well-controlled environments where they feel like they understand the black and white way to do it, that makes them feel like, okay, I understand your role. Right. These are the things you're allowed to do. Birth is not black and white. So mm-hmm. that inevitably <laughs> we end up rubbing there because providers, nurses, and birth workers, anyone, you know, who has that, who wants things to just, okay, we just, you do this, you do that. And then it doesn't work. Right. <laughs> right. And so inevitably then they end up feeling like, well, someone here did something wrong. Someone right. here did something outside of what they were supposed to do to make this all go right when it's so much beyond any one person, you know, and I, I feel like that we've talked so much on the podcast about like that, letting go of control is such a big part of holding space to, you know, like we have to be able to keep that, that piece of like, Oh, that's right. I have to like be here existing in this, like responding and, you know, reacting and moving within this space. But I don't get to just say like, if you just do this, Tracy, right. Then you'll be a good doula. (laughs) So then we'll have a good birth and I'll be good. Like that's just, Right. It's not reality. I think that's like hard for us to still like people listening right. to me probably are like, of course, that sounds silly. But so many of us operate. We like <laughs> we fall into that kind of way of feeling like, OK, if I could just do this right. The only, you know, scope, if 
you know, again, you know, is the only scope a doula has with their client is, is what the, what the client and doula relationship is. And, you know, that, that's what the breakdown that we, we said at the beginning was, you know, you know, nurses not understanding what a doula's job is as far as the relationship and is, you know, is there a threatening part of that, Mm. you know, well, let's, let's cancel out the animosity and let's just all work together for the, for the good of the, you know, of the client. And it might be, you know, just building that trust, or it might be trying to break down some of this, you know, and, and you touched on it. What is a good doula and what's a bad doula? You know, I hear that so much, you know, and well, I worked with some really good doulas. Well, what does that mean to you? Does that Mm -hmm. mean, you know, does that mean that you did all really work together for it through conversations, you know, with empathy and compassion, and you got the job done as far as what was needed for the birthing person? Or did that doula help you get that client to comply? Or was that doula really good at getting that client to, you know, to breathe and to not freak out, you know, what does good even mean in the Mm. grand scheme of things? So we, so we have to go back to foundationally checking our bias when we we talk about, you know, all of this stuff. And, you know, it's hard to, to do that when you're going in fresh. And, And I think that that's why doulas kind of gravitate to what their comfort zone is. Like, I'm only going to do home birth. I'm only going to do birthing center births. So they shy away from a lot of these hospital births because they don't know how to break down that animosity. If, if, you know, if that's what's happening or tension in the room, because you have to know how to do that. You, you have to know how to come in because we're the ones that can do that. We're the ones that can hold the majority of the space in the room, hold space for the client, hold space for the nurse, hold space for the provider or whoever's coming in into yeah. the room. We have a pretty significant role in that we should be able to hold space for everybody, honestly. Mm, mm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's frustrating how far away we get from just approaching it like that. Absolutely. Jewels have like, you know, unique skill set, and certainly most get like more kind of training and practice in like just the art of holding space of like that. Yep. Here I am. I'm like supporting you and doing this. Whereas so much of like training for nurses and, you know, other providers ends up being about the, the medical right. clinical kind of side of it. So we don't get to emphasize as much on that, but it, it's also like, if, the approach of all of us were thinking about that. Like if all of us just walked in feeling like, okay, right. Cause obviously as a nurse, I feel like part of my job is to hold space. So what if you were viewing that for like holistically, you know, it's the whole space you're holding that hold space. And if we were all doing that, like how different it would feel. Cause I also feel like absolutely it's wonderful when duels can come in and feel like they know, they know how to do that. They've honed some of those skills. They feel ready to like, okay, Hey, we're going to ease in here and like, you know, read the room, understand this whole, that still advocating for our client, working as a team with everyone, but it's also not the job of the doula or the job of the birthing person to present themselves in a certain way that is like acceptable to the hospital mm-hmm. staff. And so I also feel like obviously as us, as those of us who work in hospitals, where we understand the power dynamic is way, way, way over to the hospital and everyone included within the hospital. Like we have to do more of the work of being mm-hmm. 
opening and accepting and, and having those conversations. And whether that's something you have in front of the birthing person, you ask to do it, like step out for a second and just like, Hey, let's talk through a couple of things. I want to understand not making it all feel, it doesn't all have to be so clinical. Like we can just yeah. be humans as well yeah. <laughs> and have those conversations again, like with the birthing person or, you know, without, depending on what, you know, is going on, like just to understand who else is in the rule and like who the team is that we also need to like extend the olive branch a little bit more to, to open up that space and create one that feels, that doesn't feel antagonistic. And that feels yeah. like we're open to having discussions. So I think yeah. there's plenty of and well, and I think that, you know, hospitals and, and nurse managers and, you know, clinical educators and all those people, you know, I think that they need to start reaching out to their doula communities and, you know, hey, how can we work together? How can we yeah. do workshops of just getting to know each other? And, you know, and it's not about lists and it's not about certifications and it's not about, it's just about those that are out there serving their communities and coming in with these families and, you know, learning how to have organic conversations of, you know, hey, tell me, tell me what's going on. You know, tell me your, your deal breakers. Tell me what I need to know about you. I mean, if we're going to be trauma informed, we just need to be human informed. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much we've talked obviously a lot about trauma informed care as you know holding just such a big piece of it. And it really every time it comes down to like just just be human, like just yeah. try not to be, we don't need to be robotic and clinical about the way we're doing stuff and like going down the checklist, like just pause and <laughs> put on your regular face and then like try that <laughs> instead. I I think too, there's that piece and because you know, I get it. Obviously, I have I've been the nurse that you're just, you're incredibly busy. You're rushing from one thing to the next and things are not going smoothly for any number of reasons that are within and outside of your control. And you're finding yourself in like a situation where you're trying to work with whoever it might be. It's a provider who's got a different plan. It's, the, you know, a birthing person who just, wow, like they are wanting some things that are not standards, the way you do things. And so you're trying to figure out like, how does this work within all the things that I feel like I'm supposed to be doing? we take it personally, maybe when these mm -hmm. difficulties come up then in, in our flow. And so I've seen that a lot as, you know, with other nurses who are reflecting on their relationship with doulas that they feel mm -hmm. like what ends up coming across is like, well, it's the doula's fault. Right. Right. You know, like the doula is mm -hmm. being difficult. The doula is making right. this hard. And so I think that's one of the things too, that we have to be like aware of. And, and absolutely. Maybe, I mean, maybe the doula is having a terrible day and they really are making things harder than it needs right. to be. Okay. Sure. That's mm -hmm. totally possible. But I think it's about like also like taking a moment to like reflect on like what's going on with us. Like, okay, is it really about that? Or is it about the fact that I have like two patients right now and really I should have one because I can't do my job taking care of both of them. Like, is it, you know, is it about like everything else that's going on behind the scenes? I feel like so much stuff we talk about has to do with it's changing the whole way that we, that we staff and attend births and how we like look at that piece of it that helps us to work as a collaborative team and get past yeah. some of these, yeah, some the of these issues, the rub. Yeah. And I, th I think the doula is, uh, it's just easy. It's just easy to make the doula the scapegoat of, of, of all, you know, of all yeah. tension or, or all things that are, that are happening because, you know, that's not a staff member, you know, that's not somebody we can write up. That's not somebody that, um, you know, I can actually bull, you know, it can't, it can't go, to, it has to go somewhere and it can't stop with me. So I have, I can't put it off on the birthing person because that would make me inhuman. Right. So I have, I have to get that, that oppressive waterfall to go somewhere and it's, and it's mm. going to go to the doula, you know, which, which is, 
that is so common. And it's been through my 23 years, 23, 24 years of, of doing this work. And it's always been that way. So if it's always been that way, and how can we break that, you know, we have to go back to definitely our biases and in, in our own work and our own, why am I thinking the way that we're thinking in, in, you know, one of the workshops that I do, we absolutely go through, why do I feel the way that I feel? Why do I think the way that I think? And, you know, bias in itself is not bad. You know, I just want to throw that out there. We, we use that word as, you know, bias, ah, you know, we, yeah. we want to run from it. But no, I mean, it's an accountability word to me to understand where, why are we acting the way that we're acting and why are we trying to blame anybody for anything? Let's mm-hmm. personally take responsibility. And that's just tough. You know, that that's tough for all of us. I mean, we, we do have to recognize that we're all trying to work within this system that was, you know, built for business and built on, on, on some, you know, really tough things that we're trying to navigate. And we really just need to resign the fact that we're doing that together, Magni. Mm. I mean, whether or not we like each other is irrelevant, right? I mean, I'm not here to make friends. I've I've met a lot of really great people, but in the grand scheme of things, we're here for the birthing person for on my side, on your side, you know, and we just need to come, you know, to, to this birth on that, Hey, yes, we're going to have a great jump today. So, and I say jump because I, you know, Nemo comes to mind and and crush and, you know, little guy, and he's like, Hey, we're going to have a great jump today. And, And that's how I approach every birth, whether or not, you know, whether or not I feel like there's, there's tension or animosity in the room, or, I mean, I'm not like, I, I don't feel like I'm well-liked when I walk into a room every time I walk in a room. Of course, you know, as doulas will a lot of times, you know, work with the same people over and over again, True. Um, but not every time, you know, especially with new nurses. So, you know, if, if we can just go in focused on that birthing person and in the other side too, and then saying, Hey, I don't know you, but just have a clean slate every time I think is going to tear down some walls. I mean, we can really do some amazing work if we just take responsibility for our stuff. Mm. I know. And it's that simple and that hard, right? Yeah. Like that's <laughs> right. That's it. Like, uh, let's just go do it. Like break. And then, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Know, you know, yeah, yeah. Mm, I want to pick up a thread too. We've talked a lot about like an advocacy holding space. I think oftentimes the way we have learned to think about those words in like the birth space, we feel like they are at odds with each other. Like you're either holding this kind of mystical space as if you're (laughs) like almost an ethereal kind of creature holding the space, or you're like being in there, taking action, advocating. Can you explain a little bit about how you see that work as your role as a doula? My philosophy, which is different from other doula philosophies, um, because there, you know, there are, you know, in the doula world, there are doulas who only do labor support and are only there for, you know, the kind of what we thought, you know, holding space was going to be at the beginning of, of dualism or, you know, when that construction, that complex happened. But then as we've grown through time, you know, the advocacy part to me has been like fundamental because, you know, I was seeing that communication was breaking down and, 
you know, birthing people were not able to, to answer or speak or, or come out of their, you know, labor land, so to speak, to have conversation and even not being respected in their space. And so I, you know, I'm thinking, of course, I need to be having conversation. Like this person has hired me to be with them, to hold space for them, which means that they need me to have conversations or relay information or other people say amplify their voice, you know, in that space so that they can labor, you know, or, or maybe they physically cannot speak um, because there's a difference between personality and being non-confrontational and then trauma responses. And we have to be aware of those, Um, you know, so I think the breakdown of that is the system wasn't, or, you know, staff is, is, was not prepared for that. And Mm. so when, when doulas were starting to come in and holding conversation and even being more vocal with their clients, you know, even having conversations in front of staff members, they were like, wow, wait, what? Like, you know, and that's where the whole stay in your scope thing Mm -hmm. I've I've heard the most were educators Mm were, this is the things we are supposed to do. So if the system is not good at some things, which, you know, we can talk about informed consent or getting consent, obtaining consent. First of all, forget if it's informed or not, just get it right. Yeah, just, right. just, just present the question. Um, you know, that was not happening. And so when doulas were coming in, starting to do some of those things in advocacy, um, the advocacy word started or started being this cuss word of, oh, these are things that doulas are, you know, really should not be doing. But but I feel like that's a foundational part of just good care. If if a doula is there and, and holding space, that's part of me holding that space is to make sure that all of those things are happening through really great conversations. And, you know, I have a system and I know how to communicate well. And I think that that's some of it is, is knowing how to have organic conversations and it not being necessarily a script, but understanding where the other person is coming from with perspective and being able to hold those, those conversations. But, but yeah, the advocacy word has definitely kind of tidal waved the, yeah, the birth team. Yeah. It's hard to like how advocacy became like a, you know, a dirty word, like as if that's not what all all of us should be doing in any of our role in within, you know, healthcare within life. Right. (laughs) You're supporting someone else and not like part of that should be making sure that you're advocating for their wishes. And I think maybe that's that, like you're advocating for them. You're not advocating for yourself. And and absolutely. We get tripped up on that. I know. I mean, many years ago as a new nurse, I started to like understand some of the ways that I felt like, oh, this is the way like birth seems to like go well when we do these things. And so like, yes, if I could, if I could just get each person to try this position or, you know, wait this long to do X, whatever, you know, like all of these ideas, it can be easy to like push for that, whatever that means for you. Like, you know, someone who had a really traumatic birth and then felt so much better after they just like got their epidural right away. They might see someone coming in who's showing discomfort and they're like, let's just get the epidural right now. Cause then you won't have that. You're not going to have that feeling. I had like, these come up in all different ways for people who have all different kind of like their own personal birth ideology. Right. Right. But I feel like that can I think that's what people maybe shy away from part of like that advocacy feeling is that feeling like, is this you talking as you, or is this you 
right. like helping to amplify that. I see it happen with any role. You know, I firmly believe like the birthing person is the expert in their life, in their care, in their birth, in their child's care, like the whole way through, you know, but with so many others of us who are also experts in, in our work, in our field, there ends up being like rub there, mm-hmm. maybe between yep. those. I don't know if you could, if that's something you see, if you could speak to that piece of it a little bit and how you see navigating those waters. So, I mean, for me, <laughs> I have kind of developed this way of making sure that the nurse knows and is welcome on this team. And, you know, like really fundamentally just building it from the ground up as soon as I walk in the room. And I I never take advantage of nurses that I even have done, you know, births with over and over and over again. I do it every time, you know, I go in and and I just build that, you know, crash the the animosity if it's there, even if she doesn't like me or doesn't like doulas or whatever, it's not going to matter. You know, we're, we're here for, for that birthing person, you know, and just making sure that that's there, you know, first. And, you know, because speaking, you know, there's so many doulas too that are being trained not to talk to staff or you don't advocate. And I think that that's just a breakdown of, mm-hmm. you know, of that's what builds animosity. That's what, that's what happens. You know, if you don't have the conversation, you know, nurses are feeling like there's something secretive going on. You know, there's something, you know, she's not in, in the team decision-making process too you know, she feels left out. She's going to feel like her job's not being valued. Like she's, I mean, she's managing this birth. She's the one that should be, you know, in this, in this process also. Um, So communication is like my key factor in an advocacy period. And it's, you know, definitely not me making these decisions. And I wish that that was kind of understood. Um, That's kind of one of those oppressive, abusive lines that I hear a lot is doula should not speak for, you know, I don't have power of attorney, I can't speak for them. So I, I, I wish kind of those things would go away in a perfect world because that's not what's happening. So I feel like doulas have the pressure of, you know, having to build that trust foundationally also when they go into the birth room, which I think is uh, actually unfair is the system or staff wants, you know, the, the trust from us. So I feel like we should be reciprocated on that respect of the trust from, from them and, and understand that we are not making decisions. We, we are, we are conversation facilitators. We are, you know, we do know now, not all of us, of course, experience level, but, you know, very experienced doulas do know what's going on medically. You know, they do have like the evidence background. They do understand, you know, the biomechanics of baby rotation and all of that kind of stuff. So to understand that and to, you know, for, for me to facilitate, facilitate a conversation of saying, Hey, you know, this is kind of where we are. I'm hearing that this is medically what's going on. You know, Hey, how do you feel about that? is better than 
pulling out something and saying, hey, here's the evidence. Can we look at, you know, can we look at this? Because I never want to question the knowledge or where a nurse is in, in her experience or where she is too. So having those conversations and, and honestly, I'm not a fan of saying, can you give us a minute? Can we talk? I'm not a fan of that. I am a fan of everybody having conversation around the birthing person who is on the team and me facilitating that in a safe space still. So I will position myself in the room so that I'm holding space for my clients so they feel safe, but that the staff person is also able to say what they need to say um, because they're they're the medical people that are managing their, their, this birth. There's, there's no real reason why we can't all have a organic conversation and get the needs met of, of the client. Now, is that always as easy as I make it sound? Absolutely not, (laughs) dude. Absolutely not. It takes practice. It takes time. It takes experience. And it takes all the, all the work that I was saying at the beginning to, to, to be able to do that. Um, You know, is the nurse always loving that? No, but I don't care. I'm there for my client. Um, And sometimes nurses will excuse themselves, you know, Hey, I'll give y'all a second because they need a second and they need, they need to step out. Right. But I'm, but I don't separate that. You know, if, you know, if my client wants a second, that's different, but I'm not somebody that's going to default. I'm not a doula that's going to default to that, to just stop the conversation. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not going to do that. I feel like everybody, everybody has a word. That's my foundational like philosophy on dealing with people. Everybody has a voice, everybody has worth. And that means the nurse, that means the provider. It might not always, we're not going to not necessarily agree. And just because you're in on this conversation doesn't mean my client's going to do what you asked to do, but we're going to have, we're definitely going to have a conversation about it. Hmm. Yeah. I feel like that's just, I mean, that's so much of, like you said, that whatever word we're, you know, informed consent, your decision-making, any of these words we use, which I know anyone can have. (laughs) different feelings about them and what they mean, but mostly it means that, right. The birthing person gets to make their decision because it is their body and they get to have consent about it and that they understood the options that were available out there from all of the people who they have chosen to be part of their team, whether that is their doula, it's their provider, it's anyone else who is involved in that. You know, I feel like there's so much of that, that we need to just keep remembering that like a plan of care consent, like these are conversations. They are not always moments Always. in time, you know, we want it right. to be this like, right. Boom, right there. That, <laughs> right. And I think sometimes we realize like that's just not how, that's not how most of us make decisions in life. Right. Right. That's not how I, you know, <laughs> one, one of the, one of the, you know, <clears throat> one of the situations that I always bring up is, you know, yes, we can, we can stop the chaos or we can slow down what's happening. Cause just like you said, these are moments and these are not just boom, boom, boom. You know, we, we want to say that they are, maybe they are when we don't really know how to advocate. But mm-hmm. if I see a nurse coming in the room and she's heading towards some gloves that are sterile, then I'm going to automatically think that she's getting ready to go into to my client's body. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I'm going to start right. that conversation before those gloves are even unfolded, you know, and I'm going to use names and I'm going to make eye contact with that nurse. So I'm going to say, hey, it looks like you're going to be doing whatever. Can you please explain, you know, stuff? Because, you know, you, you have this mode of 
I got to do a checklist. I'm being asked to go get the, you know, cervical stats um, from, you know, managers or doctors or whatever. So there's tunnel vision. So, you know, it's not just about saying, hey, hey, client, I see her going for the sterile gloves which is what a lot of doulas, you know, are comfortable doing. But what if that client is laboring to where she can't speak, she can't have this conversation, we have got to know how to do it. And it's okay to do that. And foundationally, I think um, advocacy should include that. And that's not disempowering a client. And that's, you know, that that's just what has to happen. And I see it be very productive and very beneficial. Um, Even when I'm experiencing a provider that has never had conversation or never felt like they owed a conversation to a doula. Mm -hmm. And of course, I'm just going to be that um, very uh, verbal doula that is, you know, Hey, what are you doing there? Hey, what's going on? You know, Hey, did, you know, did they say that they wanted that? Because I haven't really heard a consensual conversation and I'm not questioning their, their medical approach at all. Um, you know, I'm just saying, Hey, can you kind of explain to me what's, what's going on? I'm curious. I would love to know why you, you are doing what you're doing, you know, or whatever it's just stopping the chaos. It's just, you know, it's just making sure that everybody is on the same page. And of course, you know, when things can get, have a lot of tension, then a doula and advocacy needs to know when um, it's escalated to where, you know, medical things need to happen. Medical things just need to happen, right? But you've already laid that foundation of expectation of care. And if you lay the expectation of foundation of care to center your birthing person, then when it escalates, then you're not going to have all of this, wait, what are you doing? Are you consenting? Have you done this or have you done that? Um, It's just, it's smooth. And of course, your birthing person is like, yeah, if anything's wrong, let's, let's go because the trust is there. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's something that like we talk so much. We think so much that we have like trust. Like if someone, Mm -hmm. I guess I think I've heard it in conversations on, you know, a unit where someone, a birthing person is not just automatically going along with whatever plan was suggested to them, you know, and there's this feeling of like, oh, well, why don't they trust us? Right. Like they came here to the hospital. They, they are going to this doctor. What, what do they expect? What do they want? You know, I feel like so much of that is like that we have to we just have to recognize that like, oh, right. Like trust is, it's earned. Trust is built. Like, yes, absolutely. They picked you out of a, however many physicians, whatever providers there were available to have a baby in this area. But that also doesn't mean that like you have them locks on bail for every single thing that, that you think they should do. And I think it's like that, you know, the, the patriarchal roots of medicine are strong in our training and how we, we learn to think about those in our care. And I think those are things we have to like actively work to, to get rid of. And it doesn't right. make us, you know, I think we when we have these conversations, people get very defensive and I have too, cause it's hard to yeah. like confront the parts of yourself that you realize like, Oh, that's actually not a good thing. So that like, yeah. doesn't feel good, but I think it's realizing that like, Oh, right. Like they don't automatically trust me just so I'm a nurse here at the hospital. Like, right. Sure. They don't necessarily think I'm a bad person and like, yeah, I guess I've been doing this for a while, whatever. But like, that doesn't mean that they automatically need to just 
go along with whatever I said. Cause I, cause I met you five minutes ago and I'm your nurse right. this shift. So here we go. <laughs> like, that's not, that's right. not fair. That's right. not a fair way to try to like establish a relationship. So you ha- it has to be earned through these conversations through right. taking the time to pause and listen. And, and that is hard work. Like no one said that the job of being a birth worker in any of these roles, providing birth care was easy. Right. It's not, no, it takes, it's, it's hard work. It's hard work physically and emotionally and mentally to establish rapport with folks, to, to get yes. through these conversations, to have these relationships, but it's worth it to do it, but it, it is hard. And so I think those of us who maybe think that it's supposed to just be easy, if we could just get people to do it our way, if people would just listen or just trust us, like that isn't, that isn't the work, you right. know, like that's not, that's not the way it is, that it is best done. And that, you know, when we, when we act like that, we have these confrontations with staff. We have this animosity. We feel like, ah, people are just so difficult now. Everyone wants to do things a different way, you know, and we end up taking all that and like creating this negative culture around it right. instead of just realizing right. like that it's, it's hard and worthwhile work to establish these relationships, to talk through consent. And that most of us, like you're an, of an age, by the time you're a birth worker, you've learned to talk and do things at the same time. So right. even <laughs> in an emergency, you are able to, for the most right. part, it to be like the full lengthy explanation, but you're able to say, Hey, this is yeah. what's happening. Hey, I saw X, Y, Z. Right. On the fetal monitor, this is what I'm concerned about. I right. would like to try to do this. Like, boop, that didn't take that long. Was that five seconds, Tracy? Not even. Like, right. it's just that you don't have to just yeah. plow through people, you know? And yep. I think that's where we just have to keep like reminding ourselves that like, even when we are concerned about something, if we're feeling activated by something that's happening in the birthing process, like we need to be aware of that and then still keep connecting back to the birthing person. Mm. Right. Well, right. I could literally sit here and we could just have, keep having this conversation totally. all day, but totally. is, is there anything else you'd like to leave our audience with as we kind of wrap up this? Oh, that's a, that's hard. Like, I don't even know. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> I, I think, you know, as far as advocacy and personal responsibility, you know, and just trying to focus on, on the birthing person, do this again, honestly, but foundationally let's think about like where we're working. And that system, you know, of all the isms, let's foundationally think about that, you know, and then personal, personal work, you know, bias work, mental work, physical work, being a hundred percent, making sure that all of that is being taken care of because healing is a continuous process. All of and, and even bias work, continuous process, all of that is in check every time we go into a birth space with a birthing person, surrounding our focus around them. You know, that's actually my my keeping your power workshop for, and that's for everyone. Making sure that we're we're just having organic conversations coming out of the scripts and just talking and being honest about things so that birthing people have a voice, first of all, a voice, and then to hear their voice and to, to uh, know their worth. And so that trauma can just hit the floor and not even be a thing. And so that they are psychologically whole coming out of the other side, we can, we can work very well as teams and change some lives and I'm seeing it. It's been fantastic. And, you know, that's what I want. I want this to ripple and I want you know, I want to, to, you know, rule the birthing room world with, you know, great teams. And I think that we can do that. Yeah. Yeah. We can, it's happening. It is like you said, there are models of it. It does work. It just takes time for everyone to examine what they need to do to change, to, to make it happen. 
Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for taking the time to dig into this all with us. I really appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Maggie. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it. Oh, well, you know, this is one of those conversations that like almost every episode on the podcast, there is just so much more to dive into, to really get like into the meat of all this and to understand how this translates into practice. You know, I think some of the things that Tracy and I talked about today feel like, oh yeah, like good ideas. You know, that's something like, wouldn't that be nice? And I think the reality is understanding that like, yes, it would be nice and it is happening in other places. So if you are finding yourself in a community, in a practice setting, that this seems impossible, that having these kind of conversations with your clients, that having this sort of collaborative care relationships with other staff feels like is unachievable, that that is a reflection of the culture of your community, your unit and does not reflect the possibility that exists within collaborative birth care. And, you know, so much of this conversation together with Tracy reflects the, the goals and the mission of what we want your birth bars to be about. We want to bring up conversations that hopefully you can then have in your community as you continue to explore this and see how can these themes show up in your practice? What do you need to change to have this be a reality? How do we better support folks and active advocates, all of us, no matter what our role is within birth care. How do we constantly center the birthing person as the expert in their experience and use our professional roles and our education and everything that we work for to support that and to help to inform their choices without making them for them or demanding that they do something in a certain way that best matches up with our birth aesthetic. And, you know, so I hope that you enjoy this. We would love to hear from you about what struck you about this episode, what jumped out at you. You can reach us best on social media. We're your birth partners across all platforms. And we would love to hear more about what you thought. And you can reference the show notes. We'll include some extra links for kind of digging into more of this and the trainings that Tracy mentioned she offers. We are so excited to continue to create more inclusive collaborative birth communities with you all rooted in autonomy, respect, and equity.